The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Are you ready? It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 508 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is the return of Matt Knowles and Steph Cannon from Insymmetry Creations. They have a new offering coming called Misfits Clubhouse. They're usually known for their steampunk comics, but this time they're doing something that's more all ages. We talk about who the characters are and how they came to be, as well as what we can expect. They have a Kickstarter, so we're going to want to make sure that we support that and get there. As I'm recording this, they're just about there, but they haven't quite made it yet, so maybe you'll be the one to take them over. They've got lots of wonderful things to say, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. As always, let me give my little disclaimer here. Because my voice sounds a little funny, don't let that distract you from the great things that Matt and Steph are saying. Be sure to pay good attention to them and listen to what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's always a pleasure to talk with the folks from Insymmetry Creations. And that, let's see, I always like ladies first. Steph Cannon, how are you, Steph? I'm doing well. Thank you for having us on. And Matt Knowles, how about you, Matt? Hey, what's going on, Wayne? How are you doing today? Good, good. We're we're taking a little time out of the busy Kickstarter season (laughs) to get you guys, uh, make sure that we get you promoted on here. There's a, a new publication you guys are doing called Misfits Clubhouse. And you have a Kickstarter going for issue number one that has two stories in it. And let me take a quick look with the two stories. Our Pinball Madness and Dress Up, Mess Up are the stories. So, well, let me start off by asking, Matt, how did you guys come up with the name of Misfits Clubhouse? So we were uh, we were just tossing around a bunch of uh, a bunch of ideas when we came up with the concept of this and and Steph, if I am misremembering, please uh, feel free to to uh, <laughs> cut me off on this. But um, we already had the concept for what the original part of the story was going to be about the the two uh, main characters and just kind of getting into some little mundane stories and having them kind of blow up and be these big exaggerated versions of them and. Um, I had asked Steph, I was like, quick, you know, just give me, give me the first, uh, you know, silly animal you can come up with or first animal you come up with. And the first one that popped up in her head was, was a ferret. And I said, okay, I'm taking a sloth. And we, that's how we got the four, the four ensemble characters for the story. 
and we pitched a bunch of different things and we just wanted it. We wanted it to be something that was kind of fun, but also kind of like, you know, everybody kind of feels like they're a misfit and they're kind of, uh, you know, they're an outcast in a sense. And we mm-hmm. made it misfits clubhouse. Cause that's, they, they are in a clubhouse in one of them in their backyard. And we spelled it with a Z specifically because we wanted to make sure that we differentiated it from other misfits that are out there, like the band or mm-hmm. the motorcycle gang. And uh, we didn't want there to be people thinking, oh, you, you've got the Misfits Clubhouse in there. Is this going to be like, you know, something about the biker gang Misfits Clubhouse? No, we needed to differentiate that and just make sure people saw we we're having fun with it, spelling it with a Z. And this is about these these four characters that, you know, right off the bat, you just look at them and you see, you know, the ferret and the sloth with these kids. And, you know, that, that something something is something amiss is going to be going on with these four. Yeah, and this is kind of different from what you guys have normally done before, and because uh, you guys tend to do uh, steampunk kind of more adult stories. Why did you guys decide to go this route, Steph? Well, we like to have fun. I mean, most people that have seen us at shows know this about us. We are um, normally in steampunk when we do uh, comic cons, and it's evolved into kind of silly crazy clothes and as long as we're matching then we're good (laughs) so it's like a combination steampunk and just the craziest patterns that we can come up with so in other words we like to have fun and one of the things that we were noticing a lot now the two main titles that we have aren't necessarily what you would consider for mature audiences um airs Mm -hmm. sealed or our steampunk time travel series is definitely um it fits into the the uh, the all ages realm, but it deals with some heavy subject matter that would probably go over a lot of kids' heads. So we say it's more like YA. Mm. Um, but we pride ourselves in the fact that that our stories don't have curse words in them, and we try to sell that to parents when they come up to the booth with their kids. But a lot of times they're coming up with young kids, you know, twelve and under, mm-hmm. and we were realizing we don't necessarily have something exactly for them. So an all ages or family friendly title, however you want to, to look at it has always been in the back of our minds. And we kind of kicked around another idea, which we may still do at some point, Mm -hmm. but it was more YA was more, uh, you know, middle school aged kids. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of morphed after time into um, what Misfits Clubhouse is today. So it's just, it's exciting to know that we, we have that offering, um, you know, to, to give to, you know, parents when they come up to our booth or if they're on our website or if they are on Facebook and, and see us and know what we're all about. So if you guys don't want to dress up as steampunk, you can dress up as misfits. And- yes. <laughs> well, knowing, knowing us, we would find a way to dress up as misfits doing steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we would. Well, and the the one of the char- one of the main characters, one of the the four characters, is a girl uh, named Miki, and she has very characteristic. Big, huge curly hair, which anybody who has seen me knows that I also have curly hair, although mine is a little bit more kempt than hers is. But um, <laughs> if I were to cosplay as her, it would be pretty easy to do. I like there's a descriptions of the various characters on the Kickstarter. And by the way, we should not, people always get on me because I don't do this soon enough. It's Misfits with a Z Clubhouse number one. Let the shenanigans begin. It's on Kickstarter. The, the project is almost as we're talking on the 27th. 
it's almost there. You have a, a goal of 3,000. You're not very far away from that while we're talking. Hopefully when this post, you've shot past that and gone on to other things. It's going to conclude if, only if you reach your goal by Sunday, November 7, which is going to be a week after this post at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time which it'll be at that point. So that'll be good. So that that's going to be the thing. Now, I was looking at, at the Kickstarter page, and you have little panels that talk about the characters. And one of the things I got a huge kick out of Miki's character, it says you'll never have to guess what she's thinking because she's glad to tell you over and over with ease. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, one of the questions I got to ask, of course, are these characters based on people you know? Are they fictional constructs? How did you guys come up with a particular like Miki? I mean, you know, the, the big fluffy hair and uh, you guys have a, a, an early uh, edition that we've seen already of the of the misfits that had to do with asparagus, which I really enjoyed. And. The thing I'm curious about is, is there someone these characters are paired are created to represent, or are they, like I said, figments of your imagination? So we we always look at the characters in all of our stories, and I think you can find something in any one of the characters in in all of us. Like, uh, you know, there's there's some some pieces of Michael Asildor that are a part of my personality. Even obviously he looks like me because I cosplayed the character. Mm -hmm. I mean he's the main character in Heirs of Asildor. Mm -hmm. Um obviously in this one, you know, as Steph alluded to, you know, from a from a look perspective, uh Miki definitely is reminiscent of Steph. But I think that when it comes to the storylines and the, the different things that these kids go through, um, we more so tried to pull on events that may have happened to myself or to Steph or little fun things that were reminiscent of our childhood. Um, and, and just try to just try to take those things and blow them up. And um, you alluded to, I don't want any asparagus. The funny thing about mm. that was is asparagus wasn't picked because either one of us don't like it. We picked it because it's a funny vegetable. You know, it just, you can't say asparagus and be like mad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like a ridiculous word. And, um, we just, we wanted to, to not so much as, as pick right off the bat things that we have gone through. We just wanted to pick stuff that was fun, but that doesn't mean that there are not, um, little nods to people in our lives. Like there are without spoiling what they are. Um, in the scripts for the two stories that are in this uh, in this issue, uh, Dress Up Mess Up and Pinball Madness, there are some nods to some some people in our lives that may have may still be alive, may have passed away that that had key phrases and 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 catchphrases that we thought were cute that were like, hey, we're going to find a way to get them into the into the story as a nod to them. So so it may not be exact like autobiographical things, but there's always little hints and always little nods. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that's a good way to do it. Um, the second character, that, I guess the female is the kind of the lead, or at least she's the one mentioned first. The second one is has the name of Stig. Where'd that come from? I don't, I, I'm not, is there, a, uh, is that short for something? Stig is not short for anything. It's, uh, it's again, it was just, we wanted a fun name for the character. And uh, I had a guy that I used to work with uh, and we gave him every nickname in the world. And at one point his nickname ended up being Stig McTaser. <laughs> and I was like, man, Stig is just a fun word, just a fun name. And Steph thought that it was good too. So we just went with it. We just rolled with it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, now, the other I, thing too is is I, I think the, the the fun thing about having the kids, the the human kids, have names like Miki and Stig, which Miki actually is short for uh, something, but it's more the ambiguity of what are their real names? Do they have real names? Surely no parent in this world would name their child Stig. <laughs> and so it's just kind of that, that fun kind of mystery to it. And then the, the juxtaposition is that their animal friends have the most basic standard names that you could have for an animal. So it's kind of a fun, fun little uh, opposite there. Okay. All right. He's got the hair that cartoon boys often have. Hair all kind of all over the place. Looks like they never wash it. And it's just kind of up and down and all around. I, I got to read this. I love the description. It says, Stig is always there to encourage his friends. He's supportive and the first to try to make them feel better when they're down. As the oldest of the misfits, he takes leadership seriously. But that doesn't mean he's immune to finding some mischief for himself from time to time. So is he the leader of the group? So, so still the way that we've positioned the four kids, and this is something that we've talked about is the other three really have the ability to be determined, be, be defined by their characteristics. They're defined by their personality traits or the way that they, you know, the, the big bold things that make them who they are. Mm-hmm. Stig is more the anchor where he doesn't have the big bold personality he's the one that's the anchor that everybody else has the ability to sprout off from and be their crazy selves because they have someone like stick there so okay so he's he's kind of a leader but it doesn't mean that he's always going to be the lead in every situation i'll get a kick because she's first of course ladies first like i like to do uh, she's first and he's second and then we get to the two other the the animal characters who are actually kind of funny. They they are the silly ones of the bunch in my mind. One is called Fairy, and appropriately he's a ferret. Even though he's a ferret, he thinks he's the coolest cat on the block. Fairy is quick to speak his mind, but even quicker to stick up for his friends. He thinks he's the group's resident tough guy, but the rest of the misfits see only his warm fuzzy side. Just don't tell him that. I like that name, Fairy. That's a great name for for a ferret. Uh, My brother used to have a ferret, and he got really attached to it. And that's the only way I know anything about ferrets at all is because of that. Have you guys ever had ferrets for pets, or why pick a ferret like that? Amazingly, no. And it's funny because I had every pet known to man growing up. I mean, I had had everything, but I didn't have – I did not have a ferret. Um. But I, I think probably if I was ever in a pet store anywhere and saw one and asked my parents, I probably would have gone home with a fairy. <laughs> That's just wow. sort of was my childhood. <laughs> so, but it was like Matt mentioned earlier, it was this fun little exercise that we did because we didn't want them to have a dog and a cat or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a bird or something with that mm-hmm. you, you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. We wanted the animals to be different, but not so different that it, really didn't make sense, like an elephant or a giraffe or something. So when, when Matt said was the first animal, I thought, okay, I don't want to think, you know, I, I can't think standard here. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, ferret was the first thing that popped into my mind. And I, I have a tendency uh, to give 
things really silly names. Um, everything from animals to objects. I mean, you can ask Matt. He's often said you're not allowed to name anything <laughs> in any of our stories. So this her, her, key- her, 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 her keyboard on her computer is named Mr. Buttons, okay? Yes, so that just gives you an example of just a thing. that My lemon tree in the backyard is Mr. Lemons, and it's just it's a thing. So... <laughs> Um, so we thought that it would be cute. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're still kids, so they need to not be so adult that they are, you know, naming their animal or their animal friends are named like Bob and Steve or something. So, um, so yeah, fairy, the ferret seemed hilarious. Yeah. And of course the last one of the the animals is a sloth named sloth. And I think that's (laughs) totally appropriate there. I think that's great. Uh, I got to read the description. His is my favorite description of the bunch. He says, don't let sloth's leisurely demeanor fool you. He is the misfits, quick thinking, insightful voice of reason. He may not be as confident in his abilities as he is in his haircut. And if you look at the haircut, it looks like an early Beatles haircut. Um, or like with the time you put a bowl on put a bowl on somebody's head and you cut it. That's kind of the way it looks. Oh, exactly. But he's always willing to try new things if it benefits his friends. So I, <laughs> I get a kick out of the haircut and stuff like that. Now he's he's actually pretty quick moving for a sloth. Seems like. Yeah. So so sloth is one of the characters that we have a lot of fun with because because he gets to do things that are very unsloth like at times, but mm-hmm. there are times that we get to play up the hilarity of being a sloth with him. We have some sorry ideas that are going to just are, are going to either be completely the most sloth like thing you've ever seen or the complete opposite of what you would expect for a sloth. And he's kind of the breakout character. Like, uh, you know, in the early goings, we've seen a lot more people gravitate towards him because everybody loves sloths. Sloths are just a, like a fun animal. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even realize when we chose him to be the character, I had forgotten that my daughter and I had picked out a calendar for our kitchen. We pick them out every year and we picked out a sloth calendar this year. <laughs> and um, I, I just realized that at one point and I was, so I started to at every turn of the month, I take a picture of the sloth calendar. I'll be like, Hey, guess what? Here's a, uh, here's the, here's the pinup of the month. And I send it out to the, to the uh, creative team and, and uh, make up a story about what relative this is for sloth. And, uh, <laughs> We just have fun with it. We we have a lot of ideas for some fun sloth merchandise out there, and uh, we really can't wait to to delve into the way that he um, has fun and interacts with everyone uh, in in his in his sloth like way. Yeah, he's he's not all that sloth like. So I'm going to be curious to see how you do that because that's going to be fun. Now, there's one more character that uh, the the Kickstarter likes to point out, and that's the clubhouse itself. It says, high up in the backyard tree sits the Misfits Clubhouse, an Imaginarium. I had to practice that before we got here. For a very special group of kids, and of course, list of kids. Adventures are concocted high above the ground below, or is that a raging sea around their pirate ship? which, of course, we've seen, or a vast expanse beyond their spacecraft. As long as they're having fun, that's all that matters. So I I love the little clubhouse because, you know, I hate to say it, that's a dying breed. Uh, I used to know so many people had clubhouses or tree houses and things like that. So this is really harkened back to my childhood to see the the clubhouse like that. Uh, Again, I got to ask, is this something you guys – one, one or both of you had as a child? Not, I, didn't not, necessarily, yeah. I didn't necessarily have a, a tree house, um, but I had, I, I had a, a 
bunch of stuff in the backyard that, you know, I was kind of doing the same types of things that these kids were doing. So reminiscent of that in a way. Very cool. Very cool. Now, there's the two stories we mentioned, Pinball Madness, and uh, I'll read that real quickly. It says, Miki's dad lets the kids play with his classic pinball machine. Somehow the misfits gets transported inside and have to escape an alien planet. And I always hate when that happens. The fate, <laughs> the fate of the group rests on the shoulders of the most unlikely member. I wonder who sloth that might be. That's well, right. He, Will he learn the skills he needs in time, or will his friends be trapped forever? Now, if there's a second story in this magazine, which is going to be good. So uh, talk about that. I mean, because, uh, you know, I, I was one – there was a Star Trek pinball game, and I played it, and all of a sudden I just got in this rhythm, and this friend of mine who is a master at pin, all things pinball is watching me go on 20, 30, 40 minutes. I'm just keeping the ball in play is all I'm doing. And he's going, how are you doing that? I don't know. I'm just knocking it around. And he was like, man, I wish I I could do that. And I said, you're the pinball expert, not me. (laughs) So I'm going to be curious to see this story, how that relates to my experience. So you know what? uh, One of the things that you've just pointed out is is a big factor in everything about Misfits Clubhouse. Um, So I'll I'll go back to Pinball Madness, or we'll go back to Pinball Madness here in just a second. But you've already mentioned twice – how items that are in this story, items that are on this campaign have made you hearken back to things in your childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, the clubhouse in the backyard, going back and playing some pinball. And that's one of the things we want people to focus on is that sometimes people get hung up on, is this a kid's book? And Mm -hmm. we say, this is not a kid's book, but this is not a book that is anti-kid. This is a, this is for kids or kids at heart. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph is not a, a kids-only movie. Toy Story is not a kids-only movie. Mm-hmm. You know, th- if you're an adult or you're a kid, you can get something out of those, and they can be they can be perfectly worthy entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why we put things in there like, uh, you know, like the, the treehouse. That's why we put things in there like references to some people that have been in our lives. That's why we we put the pinball machine in there. I play. I love pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite pinball machine of all time is Bride of Pinbot. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a late 80s machine. And it was the first one that actually had a a mechanism in there that actually worked like an arcade game where once you scored enough points, there's an actual spot in the machine where the whole the whole apparatus in the machine would flip and it would bring up a new part of the of the the play table. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing. And so um, me and, and, and loving Bride of Pinbot was the reason why we decided to have this become the, the kids have a pinball machine in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it relates to pinball madness, um, one of the funny things about the story is be- it's, it's going to lead right off in the issue. And you can see the, the page that's on the campaign. It's raining and lightning outside and they can't go outside and play in the, in the clubhouse. They can't go outside of their imaginarium. So you start right off the bat and they are just wailing about how horrible and boring of a day it's going to be because they can't go out there and play. And uh, Miki's dad's like, why don't we go in the garage and take a look at some of my old collectibles if you want to. And we get to go out there and look at some fun things like baseball cards and, and things like that. I mean, everybody has baseball cards. I've still got tons of them and garbage pail kids and all that. Um, but they end up playing with this pinball machine and, you know, through some, uh, you know, through some, some interesting means they, uh, you know, fantasy and reality starts to get a little bit, uh, meshed and, and morphed and, uh, confused and fused. And the next thing you know, they're, uh, they are involved in the, uh, the, the path of the pinball machine, how they can escape the pinball machine, which is uh, called, um, escape 
um, Escape from Kryptos 7, which is an alien planet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have, we've had a lot of fun with our artist, Raheel Mosin, uh, mm-hmm. putting that story together and, and watching his creativity be, um, be able to be expressed alongside of ours. Cause like we said, Steph and I are really silly, but mm. there's times that Raheel makes the, the creativity that we have like pale in comparison. Like there's times he comes up with stuff and we're just like, we're like, dude, where did he come from with this? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. It's funny. It reminds me of a story. We were, I was part of a Star Trek group and we were always wanting to write stories. And the, one of the very first stories we came with, uh, came up with was uh, we were watching a VCR. Tell you how long ago this was, um, with Star Trek tape in, it, and a lightning bolt struck the VCR and it transported us onto the bridge of the Enterprise. And I always said to them, you know, I I, <laughs> I don't think that's what would happen if lightning bolt struck the VCR. But uh, I got a kick out of that. It's it's when you're a kid, you can come up with this kind of stuff, and it makes perfect sense. Absolute sense to you. So I get a kick out of that. I'm going to curious to see how this all works out. It's going to be kind of fun. Now, we do want to get to the last one, which is called Dress Up, Mess Up. And let me read it real quick. The Misfits Clubhouse is all abuzz because the day of trick-or-treating has arrived, which is, as this comes out, it, it has arrived. Unfortunately, we won't get to see this for this one, but it'll be in the future. The kids are all excited except for one. Will they be able to change his mind before the night is done? So that'll be kind of fun. So uh, do they go out trick-or-treating? So it is a it is a story of the all of the kids are excited to go trick-or-treating, except for one, which is mm-hmm. what we, we just read there. Mm-hmm. And uh it, it's about the kind of the these kids still wanting to go and have fun. They've been looking forward to this night, you know, all year. And they they have to still go and do it, but they're sad because there's there's one that is is reluctant for their own reasons, which we mm-hmm. find out in the story what those reasons are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, so there's a little bit of back and forth between you know the 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 one who stays behind and the the uh, inner turmoil that they go through on whether they're gonna you know, go out or if they're going to stay in. And um, the fun thing about that story is this is the one where we are going to have some draw me in tears. We always do um, tears on Kickstarter where uh, we can have uh, a backer get drawn in. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, this one's going to be fun. There's a lot of fun opportunities. Of course, this is a, you know, it's going to be Halloween and people are going to be dressed up, but there's going to be lots of fun opportunities for uh, anybody who selects that tier to get drawn in. Okay. How many opportunities are there for that? Uh, in total, there's seven. We've already had three taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not going to tell people what they can do. We're not going to tell people what could potentially happen to them. But just if, if you are someone that has followed the, uh, the work that Steph and I have done, uh, you know that it could be anywhere from being involved in a steampunk little town, a medieval town, uh, to being someone you know that gets that gets sliced in half by a medieval sword, or uh, somebody that turns into a zombie. You know, this is a a more family friendly kid story, and we're talking about mm-hmm. trick or treating. So obviously, we're going to do you upright. <laughs> Let's just okay. put it that way. <laughs> now, one of the things I was happy to see was that you guys got selected as a Kickstarter project we love which gets you a lot more attention. And I thought that was really great, uh, you know, because they don't give that to everybody. So that you guys got 
selected to be a project we love, I think is a real accomplishment, especially because this is the first time you're doing this specific project. Yeah, it was, it's fun. It, we uh, had that distinction with the last campaign and we were really hoping to get it with this one because we feel like, um, you know, Kickstarter in general, they, they, they tend to give out the projects we love. They try to make it varied, but we ha- we felt good about this one because of the subject matter and the fact that, you know, it's not like there's any overt violence or anything that, you know, might turn them away from, from giving us that. So, yeah, we were really happy to get that. That's cool because that uh, – I always think that they give a big boost to whoever they do that because it goes out in a separate email. People get all kinds of recognition for it, and I was really happy to see that for that. You know, Granted, you had gotten it before, but whenever you start a new project, sometimes it's harder to get that. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. So I was real happy about that. Now, one thing we should discuss, too, is the fact – and, of course, I, I should mention, too, I have backed this already, and so I'm looking forward to this. Yes, but one you. of the – I had to make a choice. Uh, there's four covers. Do you guys want to talk about the four covers rather than me <laughs> go on to talk about who the who do the four covers and what they're of, if, if you want to? Sure, sure. So uh, I'll hit the um, I'll hit um, the the main one step. You want, if you want to hit the the cover that we have from the team Phenom, I can I can roll through some of the other ones. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the first cover we have is actually called Alien Guard, which is uh, is going to be considered the cover A, and that's the one that currently, right now, if you were to go to the Kickstarter campaign when this when this drops, we probably still will have that picture up there. Is our four kids in spacesuits, and there is an alien inside this uh, pinballo droid, which is uh, trying to uh, go and capture them with its little green hooker uh, hands. And uh, wow, that sounded really interesting. Um, <laughs> I was like, what kind of story are we writing here? <laughs> we probably are not going to call them that in the story. That just, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it, it sounded good in my head until it actually came out of my mouth. And I was like, yep, whoops, wrong thing. Um, <laughs> But uh, so that that's one that was drawn by Raheel Mosin, uh, who is the main artist. And it, it shows a lot of the fun and hilarity of what the story is about. Um, cover C, I, I'm going to jump past cover B for a second that Steph's going to cover. But cover C is called To the Moon. And that is the typical, um, the when you think of Misfits Clubhouse, and uh, we did some shows for it over the summer. Uh, we actually had some posters out there for it, which is another one by Raheel, which is just a picture of the, the tree in the backyard with the treehouse in it. And them flying through the air on their uh, on their in their red wagon, or is it their rocket, or uh, um, you know what what is it that they're flying on the air on? That's that's their 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 first mode of transportation that they get to go play in the backyard and have fun with, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's what a lot of people if they see the main image when uh, when we first announced it, that's what they're riding in. So that's mm-hmm. cover C. That is also by Raheel Mosin. So Steph, if you want to tackle cover B, um, we could have some fun with that one. Okay, so cover B is um, called Time Warp. We always like to give titles to our covers because it just kind of makes it easier to differentiate with them. That is by Seda Wolf, who is a, um, like, like Matt likes to call her, the teen phenom. We got the opportunity to meet Seda and her mom, Joanne, at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C. when we were there. Mm-hmm. And they um, are, they're, they're just awesome people 
and uh, can find out, find out that they actually live uh, near me, which is unusual because we were in D.C. on the East Coast and I'm from California. So that was cool. And we kind of bonded over that a little bit. But Seda is very talented. She uh, has her own series called Soul Strain. Mm-hmm. And that is um, it, it's now a graphic novel. But she is the artist and the writer with that, which is kind of rare. You don't see that all the time. You normally, you know, we're able to write. We can't draw. She is incredibly talented. She wrote this series when she was, I think, 13 mm-hmm. and got signed when she was 15 and she's mm-hmm. now 17. And um, she has a very unique, very cool style that people really respond well to. Mm-hmm. And so after meeting her and spending time with her and her mom over the weekend, uh, when we were at Awesome Con, we thought, you know what, this would be really cool to have her take on this. That's the fun thing about variant covers is we want the artists, their own style, their own take on the cover. We don't want them to, you know, get, you know, pushed into a corner where they have to do it to make it look exactly like the interiors. That's the beauty of, of varying covers for comics. And so um, she is drawing our characters a little bit older and more in her style because her characters are more the YA kind of middle, middle school, uh, high school aged. And so that was really cool. It was fun when she did that because we thought this is neat. We can, we can call this time warp and say, you know, this is what it would be when our kids are older and she just did an awesome job. It's a beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. And then our final cover that we just released is um, called called Down the Drain. And that one came about in a very interesting fashion. Um, when the pandemic hit, there was a group of creators that all started to meet on Saturdays through Zoom chat. And I happened to start joining this call. And the vast majority of the creators are people from California with me being in Florida. And most of the creators on that call are people that I probably would not have run into otherwise if there was no pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people that our paths just would not have crossed in the way that they did. And uh, one of the guys that was on that call is named Richard Fairgray. And, and Richard and I are, you know, if you were to just, you know, put us on a piece of paper and say, list out the qualities that make Matt, Matt, and the qualities that make Richard, Richard, um, you probably would not have a whole lot of areas where we cross paths. Uh, the one place that we do cross paths on is that we both are fun loving and just always want to make people laugh and always say silly crap, especially on that call. Um, the two of us are probably the ones that would, would make people laugh the most. And when, um, when we were getting ready to release this campaign, he just messaged me cause he's a, a well-known children's author. He's actually one of the most known ones in, uh, in Aust- in New Zealand. And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, I think that, you know, I think it'd be cool if, if I did a variant cover for you guys. Cause he just had the vibe and we were like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. And, and his concept for the down the drain cover was, was just a great concept. And he really vibed on, on sloth and uh, really just made sloth look like a totally ridiculous character. And all the kids are going down the drain and it's, it's a little bit of a, of a play on words uh, because the, the pinball madness, you know, what happens when the ball, uh, you know, goes down that, that hole in the middle of the, uh, the table, it's going down the drain. And so there's a little bit of pinball play on words there. And so that's the four covers that we have. We have two from the main artist for heel, We've got one from Seda. We've got one from Richard Fairgray, all four that work really well together. And for collectors out there, we think they're, they're a good set of covers that, uh, that you're going to want to have in your collection. They're, they're, you know, fun, but they're awesome. And they're, they're well, they're well illustrated. So you're not just going to be like, Oh, I've got to get four covers because I want everything. And one of these things sucks. Uh, these are all really, really, really well done and, and, and worthy covers that you want to have in your collection. 
Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Uh, well, let me say again, it, it needs to reach its goal by Sunday, November 7 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's coming, it's just going to be a week from the day this is released. Don't wait until then. Now is the time to get on there and support it because I think this is going to be one of those. I think that today young adult readers are one of the best. If you go like to Target and stuff, you will see whole walls full of uh, children's to young adult books all over the place. And I just, I'm, I, I'm so happy to see that because that's our chance to get in there and try and get more comic readers uh, as they grow up. So I'm, I'm real happy about that. That's one of the things I'm real happy about this is I think this is another avenue for uh, younger readers to, to realize how great comics can be, comic storytelling. And I think that, uh, as, you know, as well as your other books, I think these are going to be books that I think, uh, especially with the holidays coming, you might want to make sure that uh, anybody who's in the age group, that uh, the, the main age group this appeals to, you want to make sure that they get one of these. Or get these books or at least sign them up for it because I think that's going to be great because I think that's just really wonderfully done. Thank Very you. smart. Very smart. Uh, okay, so we, we've got Miss Fitz Clubhouse, I think, all the, so far. We're going to make sure to get past that long before that deadline. Uh, now, talk about the other stuff you guys have done, you know, the Insymmetry Creations. You guys released a CD recently, right? Yeah, we actually just finished up a campaign, which was, you know, the complete opposite in every way from this campaign. It was, it's probably, probably two of the most different campaigns you'll ever see come out of a creative team that actually still can be considered in the same universe. Uh, we just did a, a mashup comic that, which is Heirs of a Sealed versus Tales from Nocturnia, which uh, had a comic called Nightmare Scenario. But it also had a CD with it, along with the fact that for the first time ever, we produced collectible um, colored vinyl uh, records, mm-hmm. uh, which re- vinyl records have become a huge, huge, huge collector's item that have really come back into uh, into play here, uh, pun intended, in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we recorded this podcast, um, just uh, was it yesterday and or two days ago, and then just today, probably about an hour ago, um, we got in what's called the test pressings of the vinyl. Um, so in, in, uh, in the print world, you'll get like the, the prototype copy of your issue to make sure everything is good. Then you tell them to go ahead and, and run the, um, run your print copies of your comics or of your trade paperbacks, or your graphic novels. When it comes to vinyl, they'll actually press a small set of your vinyl. You actually have to go and listen to them and listen through all, like we have five copies. We have to listen through all five copies of these vinyl to listen through all different kinds of things to make sure that the vinyl is actually okay. And um, it, it's definitely something where for your ears, it doesn't make your ears. You have, there's a lot of, uh, of um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's a learning curve because you're used to hearing an MP3 or a CD where it's going to be exactly the same every single time. And that's not the way that vinyl is. Vinyl is now an analog form. There's certain frequencies that are removed. There's speed differential on, on turntables, uh, but it's a fun process. But luckily we do have that metal album that is, uh, that, you know, is out on CD and we have the MP3s and we are finally starting to get the, the vinyl um, into our, in that process going because it could be six to eight months to 10 months to get vinyl to turn around from the time that it's approved. And that's crazy. But, you know, we're looking at the beginning of next year when we start to run our next campaign for Arizona Sealed when we probably are going to have those vinyls coming in. Wow. 
Wow, that's going to be something. That'd be great. Is, is there? Uh, well, you guys have a website though, right? Where if somebody wanted, let's say they they couldn't do it through the Kickstarter for whatever reason, is there a website they could go to and try to access that? Yeah, hundred percent. They could go to uh, insymmetrycreations.com, which is the main website. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to just go to our shop, you could go to um, tinyurl tinyurl.com forward slash insym i n s y m shop. Um, if you wanted to follow us on social media, you could go to uh, forward slash in sim on Facebook. You could go to um, in sim creations on Twitter, or you could go to in symmetry creations on Instagram. Okay. And you can get any of the information you need. Sounds great. Now, as far as those universes, what's coming in those universes, in the in sim universes? So we are also working on the continuation uh, in the story arc for Heirs of Isildur. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, that is our steampunk time travel series. The first story arc for that was 11 issues, and we uh, did a trade for it. So it's collected in a, in a trade that has um, it has some extras in it, too. It has song lyrics that go along with the the songs from the album. But it is a um, it's a story about a character named Michael Isildur, who is a watchmaker in a, uh, a steampunk enclave. And there uh, th- this town is very regimented and very much about everything being in order. And he inadvertently uh, discovers some machines that open up some portals that bring people from other times and eras and, and uh, places to him. And so we like to say it's time travel in reverse. Instead of our main character traveling through time and going different places, he's actually bringing people from other places and times to him. (laughs) And so he is tasked with trying to uh, figure out what, not only what to do with these people that are his responsibility now, he has to care for, uh, also to hide them from the town who any kind of outsiders or, or anybody that looks different or acts different, um, is basically a big no, no. And, um, so that was the, the first story arc is kind of unraveling everything that happens with that. And like Matt mentioned, the nightmare scenario is our little bridge issue that we did that kind of ties up some loose ends because that the first story arc ends in a little bit of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And so we are continuing on with the story. We're going to find out what happens after um, after the events that that lead up to the end of that, that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be uh, very soon. Is that going to get a Kickstarter? Oh, 100%. 100%. We're going to have a uh, hope probably end of January, beginning of February will be the first Kickstarter for uh, the first part of the Perilous Prospects. Uh, the art for that is coming along spectacularly. We have a, an art team out of Brazil, uh, a, a penciler, inker, and then a, a colorist combination that are actually kind of like the, the me and Steph of, uh, of Brazil, I would say. They, they really work well together as a team. Mm-hmm. And the this, the way that they are interpreting what we're asking them in the story is is outstanding. Um, we are probably about halfway through the art right now in October for the issue that we're going to be um, doing a Kickstarter for in January. And and for those of you out there that are used to the big, crazy, wild campaigns that we have that have got all the different insane things in it, just you wait. You're going to have some insane, crazy things again when we get to that next campaign. Uh, we've got you covered. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff that we're going to do then. We're still deciding on on some of the items, but uh, not only are you going to get some crazy items in there, but uh, 
for people like that we know, like they say maybe a Wayne Hall who has actually read Heirs of Isildur and knows mm-hmm. some of these cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get to when you get to and through Nightmare Scenario, you have some of those cliffhangers answered and some new ones are out there. You're going to get to the Perilous Prospects and you're going to be like, what the heck were these guys thinking? And why is this what the story is? Because this is insane. <laughs> and I love it. Hopefully that's yeah. what you're going to say when you see it. Because uh, we really feel like this is going to be the best, uh, the best heirs of a sealer that we have ever uh, produced. Which is a uh, uh, something to say because I, I have I strongly recommend if you have not, or even if you have gotten some of the copies, this this is a great story. the The writing is crisp and strong, and the dialogue tremendous. The artwork all hangs together. Uh, if you can get to these books, I highly recommend it. If you haven't, or for some reason you got started and maybe when the cons shut down, you didn't get a chance to keep up with them, catch up because I, there's so much good storytelling going on in these books. I highly recommend you do that. I really do. Go to the website if you need to. Uh, but that leads me to another question. You talked about Awesome Con. Are you guys doing conventions? Uh, are you back to doing conventions now? Um, we we are, never, yeah. we never stop. <laughs> so, well, being in Florida when the uh, when everything hit with COVID, um, everyone knows that Florida was the first state to really be like, you know, we're going to open back up, and the mm-hmm. the very first convention in the country to come back was Jacksonville's Collective Con. Wow. Uh, and that happened in July of 2020, <laughs> and uh, Steph and I had a very large part in that show. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, this Florida, they're stupid. And, and that's <laughs> going to be a super spreader. And we went there and it was the perfect model for how a con could run going forward. Mm-hmm. And um, they had full mask mandates and hand sanitizer and social distancing. And everybody played their part and did it right because they wanted to be back at a show. Mm-hmm. And we actually felt safer there than we did at an airport or at a grocery store or at a Walmart. So We've been doing shows as much as we possibly can, whether it's in-store comic book signings or our conventions. You know, we did Galaxy Con Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Awesome Con. Uh, mm-hmm. We did Daytona Beach. We've done, done a bunch of different shows, and we, we definitely are trying to get back into as many as we can, East Coast and West Coast, so mm-hmm. that, that way we can uh, we can really, you know, keep the ball rolling, uh, so to speak, pun intended, talking about football madness. <laughs> now, what about, have you got any scheduled in the next couple months that we should know about? The only ones that are scheduled right now are, um, are let's see, we've got uh, we've got um, Renegade Steampunk Days in January. We've you've got, got Black uh, Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. I've got Black Friday, Bearded Browncoat Black Friday four, which is going to be at uh, Bearded Browncoat in Ocala, Florida. It'll be the fourth annual time that I have actually been over there at midnight on Black Friday, mm-hmm. having a good old time with them. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, Renegade Steampunk Days again in January. Uh, we've got Atlanta Steampunk Expo in February. Uh, we have a few others that we've talked about doing, a few others that are pretty sure they're going to be on the list, but uh, nothing that we can actually say for absolutely certain is going to be there. But we have a, a medieval scroll of shows that uh, could very easily be ones that actually end up happening um, in the near future. So if we want to keep up with you guys, uh, website, Facebook, how do we do that? Uh, the best place to go is that in symmetry creations, Facebook page or the in symmetry creations, um, com, because we try to keep all of our events, um, on there. We try to keep all of our, all of our events and goings on linked on the, uh, on in symmetry creations.com website. We have some other things that we do 
that um, we try to branch out and do some articles and different things like that to uh, to expand our our octopus tentacles and whatnot. Uh, Steph is be is getting a, uh, a, a starting to get a little bit of a, of a name as far as being a movie reviewer right now. She does a lot of stuff for Creepy Kingdom and for HorrorBuzz.com, and she's even had some articles published for Fangoria. Uh, wow. She was able. The last two movies she reviewed were one that was a, a Disney Channel exclusive, and one that was uh, that just got released on Netflix. And she had uh, she had back end access to those movies, so she's getting to review a lot of movies. We make sure those links are up there. Uh, cool. We've been putting articles up that are like deep lyrical look ins, especially for somebody like you, Wayne, that really likes to dig deep in the mm-hmm. lore of <laughs> of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the the lyrical look ins, the articles that we've been putting up there, really digs deeply into into that that story universe and and why what what all is going on around those songs so we try to keep all that stuff in that one place Mm -hmm. uh, and link it out so that that way you don't miss anything great great well you guys do wonderful stuff i have to say the writing and and everything and the coordination of everything is really well done and i highly encourage if you you see matt and steph's names on something buy it because it's going to be worth buying it's going to be something you're going to want to have well thank you we appreciate that so uh, we'll have to talk again when the the next kick, uh, Kickstarter is coming around. We'll make sure we get it in there and uh, hopefully get to bump into each other at cons and stuff before too long. Because like uh, you guys are much more uh, uh, <laughs> you, you were much more anxious to get back than I was. I took a little while, but I I want to get back to the con scene again because I sure miss it. Uh, it's just I'm glad that you guys have done it, gone back and been successful at it. I'm hopeful that means good things for the rest of us too. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing because it's all wonderful stuff. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us on, Wayne. And uh, if you're out there and you are um, wondering, you know, is, is Misfits Clubhouse going to be for me? Um, you know, I, I would say this. and I think, Steph, I think you would agree. You know, uh, I can't see how Misfits Clubhouse could be not for somebody because everybody out there likes to laugh, right? Um, everybody out there wants lightheartedness. And, uh, this is something that, you know, we like to say if Wreck-It Ralph, the Fairly Odd Parents, and, um, and, uh, Gravity Falls were neighbors on a cul-de-sac, the Misfits Clubhouse would be right next door. Um, it means that when you have those, those kind of, you know, wilder, larger than life imaginative stories, this is where Misfits Clubhouse is going to slot in right next to those. Um, everybody likes to laugh. Everybody likes to, uh, like you said earlier, harken back to when they were younger and, and the smallest things seemed huge. Um, and, and that's what Misfits Clubhouse is. So we really hope you'll take a chance on it. We hope you'll support this title. We have a lot of big things um, in store, a lot of big things that have been discussed for this title. And, uh, you know, once this thing is, is, is done and we get into 2022, you're probably going to be seeing a whole lot of Misfits Clubhouse, a lot more than you would expect. Sounds good. Sounds good for me. Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast, so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator, something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.